afternoon, evening, morning, what have you. This is Pulp Today, and I am your host, Kermit the Frog. Or whatever. Uh, I'm in this gray suit, which is what I'm always wearing when we talk about Raymond Chandler, because I shot them all the same day. And so I started talking about Chandler, talking about the simple art of murder, and in there, there was this one sentence it's describing the private eye hero. He is neither a eunuch nor a satyr. I think he might seduce a duchess, and I'm quite sure he would not spoil a virgin. The reason that it jumped out at me is the two other pieces I had planned to read were about Carmen Sternwood, who qualifies as a duchess, and about Merle from The High Window, who sort of qualifies as a virgin. It's not one of his major works. Uh, it's not one of the ones that people talk about, The High Window. Plot concerns a young, naive woman, Merle, who is sort of conned into a murder plot. Marlowe straightens it all out. Uh, this is the this is the the a present from my dad, who inscribed it. Uh, April first, nineteen ninety-five. Bloom chapter eight is quintessential Chandler and shows how it should be done. Exclamation point. Avo. Bloom. If you don't, if the reference doesn't leap out at you. My father considered himself the Bialystok to my bloom, the characters from uh, the producers. So we called each other Bialystok and Bloom. I'll have to check out chapter eight at some point, but the part I wanted to read, the thing that has stuck with me since I first read the book years ago, probably 1995, but it's this is short. This episode's going to be short because the thing I'm reading is super short. It's three paragraphs. Marlowe wraps up the case. The innocent young girl with whom he's had some flirtation over the cross course of the novel, but she's too young for him. She's too naive. She's the wrong fit. Uh, he decides to take her home, away from wicked Los Angeles, back to wherever she's from. I was gone 10 days. Merle's parents were vague, kind, patient people living in an old frame house in a quiet, shady street. They cried when I told them as much of the story as I thought they should know. They said they were glad to have her back, and they would take good care of her, and they blamed themselves a lot. And I let them do it. When I left, Merle was wearing a bungalow apron and rolling pie crust. She came to the door, wiping her hands on the apron, and kissed me on the mouth, and began to cry, and ran back into the house, leaving the doorway empty until her mother came into the space with a broad, homey smile on her face to watch me drive away. I had a funny feeling as I saw the house disappear, as though I had written a poem, and it was very good, and I had lost it, and would never remember it again. Uh, that is the best description I have ever read of a certain kind of feeling, and it, and it has stayed with me since I first read it. Uh, again, not in one of his uh, more famous better-known movie-adapted works, but it shows how properly observed and properly brought to life the smallest moment. I mean, look, that's the whole job, right? The whole job of the writer is to take the ineffable human experience and to, to turn it into something where you go, yeah, that's what that feels like. And yeah, that's what that feels like. Thanks for joining me. Next time it'll be someone else that we're talking about. Until I get another copy of The Long Goodbye and I can read you from The Long Goodbye because that's my favorite channel. Have a good one.
For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.